This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and news around the NHL. Tonight has been a fun one because, I mean, we delayed the show one day, and this seems to always happen when we record on Mondays. News breaks Tuesday morning, so we yeah. waited a day because we had a, uh, a rumor that something was going to happen, and it's kind of a big one. The Chicago Blackhawks announced that they have a new GM in charge. Kind of a big deal. Um we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I'm going to be your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott, and for my co-hosts, Tim Stampanato, David Barnhouse, and Nicola Page. Everybody, welcome to the show, fellas. What big news. Big what news. big news. I was really hoping they would like do the announcement with like a little video package, and then like the GM office door had like a piece of like tape next to it that says interim, and he just peels like the tape off. And, like, hey, interim. I've seen a lot of like assistant to the general manager things where it's the whiting out to like <laughs> i love that oh yeah it's a new era in chicago it's not exciting times for the hawks so i can't wait to actually go into detail about it yeah that's that's gonna be the big one today for me i kind of figured it would be him but i mean it made the most especially with wanting to wrap it up before the trade deadline it, you want somebody that at least knows your prospect pool, knows your roster, knows what you've got realistically. It, it would have been an uphill battle for anyone else coming in. Exactly. Um, speaking of uphill battles, I kind of want to just kind of get this out of the way. Let's talk about what went down with the Hawks and the Wings this past week on the score sheet. Um, the Wings were pretty boring. They only had one game. The Hawks had two games. and <laughs> Boring? We had a football game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that is true. I mean, like... <laughs> It was boring because there was only one game. The game was exciting, just the trading back and forth. Like you said, it was a football game. Um, That's awesome. The Wings had one game this week. It was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And like David said, it was a football game. The Leafs won 10 to 7. The Leafs squeaked out a last minute field goal right at the end there. Yeah, you hate to see it. Hey, real Hail Mary. (laughs) The thing that's crazed me is like the wings were up. I think it was like five to one or six, one at one point. How do you blow that big of a lead? Well, no. didn't the wings blow that against Tampa beginning of the season? Didn't we blow a big lead then too? But now it happened to the other team against us. It did but- happen to the leaf. It happened with us with the Leafs earlier. We were up like four, one at like the last, like 10 minutes of the third. And we gave up four straight. Shoot. That was the Leafs. Oh, <laughs> I just thought it was so funny though. That said, the Leafs are built to score. They're not necessarily built to do anything other than score because Morgan Riley can't be on the ice all the time. So they did their job. I'll give it to them. The Hawks, you guys kind of had a uh, an interesting game like that as well. You guys played the New, uh, New Jersey Devils and the St. Louis Blues this week, and the, Nate, the New Jersey game, that one was uh, almost a, uh, a football game. Yeah, we we wasted all of our goals in the New Jersey. Now, granted, we needed them, winning 8-5, to five, but uh, we could have saved a couple for the Blues game. I always hate getting shut out by the Blues. Sucks to see Mitch Trubisky give up a safety, but at least you got that two-point conversion. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a Big Ten style football game for the Blackhawks. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, I mean a double hat trick game for Hagel and Kane. So that's I mean, so rare, cool. Rare comedy. I think the last time it happened for the Blackhawks was 2003 uh, with Eric Daze and um, I can't remember. I can't recall the other name, but uh, yeah. So it was a high scoring affair, just like the Leafs and Red Wings had earlier this week. So uh, quite the entertaining games for our two teams, huh? And I think the the Devils game that was Lincoln's first game back off of injured reserve for like months. And so I'm glad we were able to get him a win. Uh, glad it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't was, pretty, but it's a no. Win. And again, the guy's got to get back into the swing of things. Might as well be against the New Jersey devils. It might as well be on a game where you let up five goals, but because arguably flurry had the better game on uh, Sunday and lost four to zero. Yeah. That's hockey for you. It's just stupid. <laughs> that's hockey. <laughs> that's hockey. Uh, the Sunday game, I was so depressed. Like they literally cared. I was like, I was at that game. Like it was so depressing because like the first period, the Hawks were running over the St. Louis Blues. I'm like, okay, they're going to set the pace. They came out really good. And then St. Louis, like they didn't take the game over. I didn't think, but I felt like the Hawks just kind of took their foot off the gas, which is a (laughs) reoccurring theme. That was a, that had to been the most expensive nap uh, you've ever paid for, Jordan. The second and third periods, like holy shit, snooze fest. Um, but yeah, the, I mean that's the Blues. It's a complete. It's there. That shows where the Hawks are. It's a team that is just utterly dominant. It's a better team, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know what? I talked about it at the start of the show. Let's jump into this one. The big topic for tonight, if we're all being honest, this is the biggest thing we're going to talk about. The Chicago Blackhawks have a new official general manager, Kyle Davidson. He's not the interim anymore. He is, he's the man in charge of the ship. Now the organization said, and I know they've said it before, but they said they're going to do a rebuild. Tim and Nick, what are your guys' initial thoughts? I I love it. Yeah. I, I think he knows the team the best. He, uh, he was able to assess the team since uh, Bowman got can't or, relieved of his duties in October. Uh, so yeah, honestly, I think he has a tall task ahead of him. He has so many things to go ahead. I mean, the trade deadlines in three weeks, uh, you have, you, you use that rebuild word, which that scares a couple of the veterans that I go, do I want to be here? Do I want to be here? I don't know, but I, it, it scared me earlier in the week. Too. I think it was Mario Tarabasi reported that the Blackhawks are wondering if they can make this b- big type of a chain. I'm like, change i'm like oh shit it's they're they're hiring jeff greenberg yep so uh i think but honestly i think it was the smartest and safest decision uh kyle davidson's been in the organization for 10 plus years now he he's not a bowman guy he is a norm mcgyver guy who bowman tried to kind of dwindle out of this ignore mcgyver fan honestly yeah (laughs) yeah i mean he's a smart hockey man he's over in seattle as like the assistant gm so he's a played an important role yeah it was one of those guys that so he's not under Stan Bowman's umbrella. It's kind of, he's kind of just stuck around and uh, climbed the ropes in the Blackhawks organization. So I'm excited for him. He's uh he's got a tall task ahead though. Cause there's a lot to go on. Go I, I have to wonder, cause you're right. The reports came out last week of like, Hey, we were meeting with veteran players and like people to discuss, can we sell this to them? Can we sell this to the fans? I wonder if it was less about the GM and more about the GM's plan. That David's, you know, if they say like, what's your vision? What's your plan? It's like, cause he said, we're doing a rebuild. 
It could be three to five years, but we're not where we need to be. It's not a secret of where we're at and we need to get there. I think that they had to check buy-in with Kane uh, and Taze. I think you have to check gauge buy-in with the fan base. Can they withstand a three to five year rebuild? And frankly, I'm with you. I think we can't afford not to. Uh, I think he's been unbiased and very clear on like our prospect, who we have in the prospect pool. He's shown patience and development above rushing somebody in for the sake of getting them up there. Uh I, I, he's young. He's been very vocal about transparency and ushering in and leading the charge in a new age of hockey culture and just organizational and workplace culture in general. Uh, he's saying all the right things for me. Like he's hitting all the right notes. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be restructuring hockey ops, uh, expect to see Brian Campbell somewhere in there. Those two have been joined at the hip a lot of the time. I don't know. I, uh, I'm very excited. I know it's been blowing up a lot on Twitter. There's a lot of people who aren't happy about this. I I don't know what people want realistically. I mean, this is where we're at. We're not going to get somebody in that's going to magically, we're not going to get in Iserman that flips a switch and says, all right, it's time to be good again. And even then, how many years now has it been that he's been laying a plan? Uh, you You want somebody who can come in and say, I have a vision, I have a plan. I'm going to surround myself with the people to do it. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Oh, it but is. Like, yeah. We had one of the worst seasons ever a couple of years ago. I, yeah, it was. And I, I would not be surprised if we have a season like that uh, in a year or two, but at least there's a vision now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we used it with the Red Wings a lot last year, the word direction. It, the Blackhawks never really had one. They were rebuilding two off season to go. And then this off season, they went all in. And I think uh, it was Danny words today. He's like, we're going to stand by, we're going to stick with the plan. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was big. Uh, it was nice that they came out up front and said, this is a rebuild. Yeah. But I, I'm sorry. You guys, like, I know they said rebuild a couple of seasons ago, but I don't feel like you ever really committed to it. No, that, that, like, that's standard. Yeah, no, we didn't. That's like, we, we, we traded away. Like, um, why like Tatar was gone. Morazic was gone. Well, yeah, we traded away those key, key pieces for draft picks. To, to, to be fair, to be fair, we, we couldn't. No, to be fair, we couldn't. With really Kane and Taze's contracts locked in the way they were, with Keith where he was at, with C, like, we didn't, we didn't have a true capacity to do a strip down to the studs rebuild. We mm-hmm. had to do a modified rebuild that was closer to retool, but like with Taze out last year, we devoted a lot of time to getting a bunch of like getting guy rookie guys up there. Like you were basically fielding a rebuild team with Patrick Kane, uh, and we exceeded expectations and then uh, blew everything up. We so, got too big for our bridges. I, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, that's Sam Bowen's mentality though. Like you knew. Like even when he said the word rebuild, it's like, oh man, this like time is near. But like you sense the Blackhawks had a little success. It's like, oh, he's gonna do. He's the gonna minute. the minute like we went on a little run last year. It's like, oh man, like this team was close. Stan's gonna like be kicking himself for not adding a piece. So you know what he did this off season? Added fucking like seven. We we went into that season with no real goalie. 
Yeah, and it worked people out. For, like, that's the thing. Like, we had an unknown Lincoln in. Colin Delia was set to be our starter. Him and Malcolm Subban were going to rotate. And it's like, I guess we're going to see. We, Let's put Hagel up. Have some fun, kid. Like, yeah, we, six-round pick. We were joking that we were going to be fighting for the bottom of the barrel. And we barely missed the playoffs, realistically. Which was a knife to the back for your team. Yeah. Oh, it was the absolute worst thing that could have happened. It's I, put I, you guys in a far worse place. Well, I think Stan Bowman did that. And yeah. <laughs> I think an important note too with today's press conference is you did mention the three to five, Tim, but the three to five year plan. But Kyle Davidson kind of stopped himself in his tracks when he mentioned like three to five years, and then he was like, I don't want to put a time frame yeah. on this. Like we know it's going to rebuild. Re, we're Chicago fans and Detroit fans. We know rebuilds take forever. That's basically been our whole life. So the Lions are still rebuilding. Yeah. Man. I mean, they've been alive like, since 88. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a new era. It's, um, it's scary. I, I like that Brian Campbell is going to have a big role with, uh, I do too. He, he was part of that advisor committee. I wonder if, they're going to get old check and sharp in there. Uh, yeah, sharp's coach in Vermont though, right? Hosa is, I, I would be surprised if Hosa is not involved in some way. And I, I definitely think that Eddie's going to be involved. Yeah. Cause he's the youngest GM in the NHL now. Like, yeah. He's, he's 33. Yeah. And he doesn't have the connections that some of these guys do. So he, he's going to need that said. Awesome. No, not yeah, using the same old boys club of like <laughs> recycling Pierre Chiarelli, Arizona, and getting Brian Burke back out of retirement. Uh, no. Hey, what's Milbury doing? No, like, I do love it, but like he needs a group you surrounding need him. Exactly like, the people that with the connections, like Marion Hosa, he knows he's he knows everybody in the league. Patrick Sharp, he's Eddie one of the Olchek, really, yeah, Eddie, Eddie O. He was a former assistant GM or head coach. So, he was definitely a head coach. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. You surround yourself with people that you don't surround yourself with the same group of people. You surround yourself. A successful team is, Hey, what skills do you have? I don't have those. Great. You're going to compliment that. Like if he really does restructure hockey ops and he, again, we know that there is no president of hockey ops anymore. He's report. Uh, Davidson is reporting directly to Danny Wirtz in part to assess, you know, exactly the chain of command and you know, who's responsible for what. I love it. And now if they continue to restructure, I didn't realize that our analytics department under Stan Bowman was primarily third party, like hired out like consulting firms and whatnot. We don't, we didn't really have a strong no in-house analytics department. And yet I think we're going to see that moving forward with Davidson. Yeah. It's all bit. I mean, that whole Blackhawks organization was basically going off the eye test, <laughs> which like listen, the, I no, want a works. hybrid. Yeah. Like I love the eye test. I love old school and like the, you know, hockey mind of things, but we need to get up with the times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why the teams like the lightning are so far ahead. Of, they have a high tech analytics apartment. I thought it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. Eiserman too, but he also is one that relies on. I mean, analytics. right. Like he's Eiserman is someone that has never rest on your laurels. There was a period of time where the Hawks redefined hockey and the strategy and what people were rebuilding their teams around the style of the Hawks. And the problem when you're the person driving it, you get complacent. Mm -hmm. You like, okay, we set the tone. We did it. 
it's hard to keep momentum when it's you that everybody is basing their momentum off of. Iserman has been remarkable at staying ahead of the curve, staying well-read on what's going on. That is a mind that blows my mind from a strategic standpoint. This is exactly what the Hawks need is a hard, even if it's not a rebuild, a hard rebuild in the sense of roster, but a hard rebuild in the sense of the mindset and the structure and the plan. I mean, yeah. It almost kind of reminds me of what the Leafs did when they brought Kyle Dubas in as like a general manager of their club. Like you went from having a guy who had been around the league forever to this young kid who was completely bringing a different look at your club was going to bring a lot of the modern aspects like, you know, advanced analytics to the table and kind of getting like a hybrid system for a club to build. Now, granted, I don't wish the Toronto Maple Leafs cap hell on anybody, but and I just hope that we get a better negotiator than Dubas, frankly. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely, it's a, it's a new age. It's exciting. And thank God we didn't give it to Peter Chiarelli. One thing I think really needs to be noted though, I think the Hawks said they want to rebuild, right? I feel like for the last three years of Stan Bowman's general manager position, he was basically doing his best Ken Holland impression, as we call yeah. it, the rebuild on the fly or retooling on the fly. The NHL has shown time and time again, that does not work. It does not foster it, long-term success. It, it does for some team, like the Bruins, the Bruins, are Bruins. The Bruins Pittsburgh. But uh, you have to have like a very, like very specific core for that to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that for a long time, the Rangers were able to remain relevant and retool i mean the, uh, the hawks did it in the early 2010s I mean, yeah after- they we completely after 2010 we lost like half the team had to but like it, it can be done it is not easy and you definitely need a clear vision you need to get lucky and hit on some draft picks and you've gotta have good contract like contract negotiation <sighs> yeah uh Jordan, so I mean, you mentioned it earlier since like we we're actually talking about the whole rebuild thing. Uh, I, I'm referencing your text from the group chat earlier. You said the first things first, I, which I do agree with this. I don't know if it's gonna be the first things first, but you said first things first, Hawks need to prioritize centers, hard these next two drafts. I agree. Yeah, I, I think we, yeah, exactly. We both agree on that. Yeah, they don't really have any clear top six center potential besides Doc. Which I, I mean, we talked about Reichel, like how they're, I think they're going to give him this off season. Mm-hmm. But to build off that, I think first things first, you get on the phone, like you have a sit down with Patrick Kane. Like, what do you want? Like, do you want to be here? Do you, what if you want to be here? What's the contract going to start looking like? Cause he is due for an extension July 14th of this off season. So that's yeah, when he'll be start- entering his last year. So that's when they could start talking extension. And I think you need to get out. Uh, get ahead of it right now like he is if you want if Patrick Kane's going to be around you're building around him you're giving him what he wants because he wants to be involved like he like we heard it during the interview process so I think that's your first things first and then like he said we got to address the prospect pool especially with centers and which I can not agree more I I would be I, I agree with you a hundred percent I would be surprised if they have not already in the past year had those talks with Kane he because like Kane knows Kane can't be looking around at this and being like yeah we're like one piece away let's go guys uh he has to know where they're at 
in the, he knows where they're at in the standings for sure, but he has to know where they're at talent wise and product wise. I, it certainly feels like from interviews and clips that he's, you know, clips that I've watched and like articles that I've seen that he wants to be a part of the solution. I, I think that he should definitely have a voice in the room as an elder statesman on the team and like a clear hockey mind, especially I think he's going to be a GM someday. I really do. Uh, but to get his perspective, but I definitely think he's going to want to be around. I don't see him as of yet being a, a cup chaser. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't fit the bill of who he has always carried himself as that could change. And it could even be at the deadline. Hey, let's, you know, next year's deadline, let's trade you to a team and then we'll sign you again. in the like something like that. They had Twan for Matt special. (laughs) It it works. It happens. Uh, Get a first round pick and then sign him again. Like whatever. Uh, The real question for me is going to be Taze. Cause regardless whether he stays, whether they both stay, whatever, whether he doesn't, if he doesn't retire, that's going to be the first time that those two don't have a matching contract. Yeah. That's uh, I was actually listening to Laz and powers uh, earlier on my way. Oh, excellent. To, yeah. On my way to record. It's like, yeah, you got to have that conversation. I like they signed the same contract on their entry level. They signed their same contract on their first extension and on their second extension. So yeah, I mean, it, obviously they are two different, like Kane is still at the top of his game. He may not be put scoring goals just because it, I mean, he's, He's got Alex Bricks on his line, so that he doesn't really need to. But yeah, I mean, it's like a conversation you need to have with the both of them. Like, hey, we're not going to pay you ten and a half million if you want to stick around. Here's here's a number, and Taze, you're going to get a lesser number because we you're kind of you kind of have to prove it to us. Again. I, I not even prove it. It's like this is where you're yeah. at, and this like is, this is your worth. Mm-hmm. I I will say, I don't think we should build around Patrick Kane. No, it's Alex to bring it. Yeah, we're, build we're building around to bring it. We're building around Jones. that little core that we talked about previously. Uh, and then Kane is Kane's your like your old guard. Like that's your guy that's helping guide and like that your your veteran that ushers everybody in. He's still killing it, but he's no longer the He's still the driving force of the team, yeah. but he's not the future of the team. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, we talked. Davidson mentioned the three to five, and then he kind of kind of stopped himself. Three to five years. Kane's thirty three. That puts him at 36, 38 years old. Yeah, he, he's. I, not, I believe he's going to play into his forties, but like, it's not going to be the elite MVP level that we see still night after night. Even though he's aging like fine wine, it's just. It's not going to be there. Eventually, even Yager trailed off in his yeah. last couple of years. And eventually, fa- eventually, Father Time catches up. The thing that I think helps you guys with him is that he already has won a few cups. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. He's not at that panic level where he's like, "I gotta, I gotta win now." Like, I gotta prove it. Yeah. Um, like with like with Matthew Stafford. I mean, there's no way he was winning it with the Lions. They have proven time and time again they can't build a team around him and when we were getting yet another head coach and yet another general manager he was like i think it's time for me to go and well deserved i mean to do one a super bowl his first year so well and to build on that i think the other guy that we had previously slated as a trade deadline piece 
it sounds more and more like Marc-Andre Fleury wants to stay in Chicago and he would even be open to another year in Chicago. What's not to love about that city? I mean, that's what's not to love about that whole ordeal. Like we realistically, if we have another year of Fleury on a cheaper deal than he's got this year and then Lincoln and backing him up again, or even sort of like whatever it is, having flurry for another year doesn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, like you said with Kane, I mean, he's not, he doesn't need to chase. He doesn't need to prove anything. He doesn't need to chase cups. Like, I think he kind of just wants to settle down and end up where he's at. He's got a, he doesn't want to uproot his family anymore. Like, I mean, it's for Kane. It's all about legacy. Yeah. Like he wants to be like, like we said last week, I'm not going to go into further detail. He just wants to be the greatest Blackhawk of all time. I think he already is. I mean, but (laughs) um. Yeah, he wants to cement that. He wants to hold all the leaderboards. He wants to be the number one goal scorer, number one guy in assists, number one in points. He's already got the three cups. Um, then as for Flurry, I mean, he's done it all himself. He's got Vezinas. He's got uh, he's got three cups. Yeah, he's got three cups along with Kane. So, I mean, it's a good locker room presence to have. A good leader. Like he rebuilds aren't all about having these young guys. You just, need, you need some guys like Kane and Flurry and even Taze and whatnot. Uh, like, why are we preaching to you guys? You guys know this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are the perfect, you guys get rebuilds. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. Like Lidstrom retired. I feel like he had a few more years in the tank, but I understand why he did it. For sure. Datsuk wanted to go home. I don't blame him. Hell Although his home, <laughs> yeah, never mind. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, Zetterberg had to retire. He had to. His back injury was a degenerative. So, like, if he kept going, he was just going to have a terrible future. Um, but they were there long enough. Like Zetterberg was there long enough to really guide Larkin. Yep. And the people running the team, like the greatest captain in our history, um, is the freaking general manager of our team um the people under him are former you know quality players that know this team and know this fan base like our team's directions in good shape yes it was bad for a while and no offense to ken holland he had some great years but a lot of his methods of really soaking players in the Griffins and the minors longer than they should, in my opinion. And I think Jordan, you could probably agree. Like we would put players down there for much longer than they should be at least two years longer than they should have been. Yeah. And I like how eiserman has been handling it. I mean, cider didn't play for the Griffins very much. He, he played one that. season with the Griffins. That was it. But was it a full season? No. Cause it ended early because of COVID. Yeah, that's right. And he went to the Swedish league and lit it up. Edvinson has been there and is currently doing well. I could see uh, Soderblom and Edvinson making the team next year. And, you know, the youth movement in just full force. That's a, that said, I think that signing guys like Mark Stahl, uh, bringing in Bobby Ryan last year, mm-hmm. even having like Sam Gagne, like, well, you had Glenn Denning too. Like you've had, you, you didn't do that. Like NHL, you know, NHL 22 thing where it's like, okay, I just want a bunch of like entry level, like super, like 
No, you had a good balance of veterans, like seasoned locker room guys that knew how to help instill the right culture in that room. And wanted to come back. Was it Vanek who like we traded twice and came back the following season? Yeah, he was like a fucking boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it, that's for a good reason. One, no, because yeah, it's because he, he likes the team. And two, he wants to help the players develop. Like, Unfortunately, some guys don't pan out. Like, um, I can't think of his name. I mean, that's Taki. <laughs> he's I mean, the one. Michael Rasmussen has not panned out to expectations, but no. he's still okay. And he's doing better. Yeah. Who's the guy that was from Michigan State that we got on a. Oh, Taro Hirose? Hirose? Yeah. Hirose yeah. Like, had flashes where he was. He has a very high hockey IQ. And that's what, like, Gagne and Vanek said. But he's not cut out for the NHL unfortunately yeah i mean I, I think that's what the hawks approach is going to be like we've seen i think davidson's kind of putting an end to like we've seen with the red wings that red wings just kind of want to continue the streak the hawks are we're kind of trying to just continue to sell tickets and d- sell tickets and just make the last out of Kane and taze and just try to keep scraping into the playoffs and yep. you know maybe they catch wind and catch fire in the playoffs and <laughs> try to win another cup but I think it's starting to become realistic that it's that's not looking likely. Yeah. But you know, I think uh, I mean three weeks. Kyle Davidson has a tall task ahead. He's got to assess who so is excited. part of the who is part of this future. He has the keys to the car now. Like this is his team. Like he's mm-hmm. no longer the interim. We seen him make him make small trades for uh Sam I, Lafferty. I and, love the Lafferty move. Yeah. Like Curtis Sam Lafferty, Curtis Gabriel, but now Hey, now he can trade the pieces. Yeah. So there are guys that are probably safe. Jones, Debrinket, Kane. Hey, uh, hey, yeah. Jones, Debrinket, Kane, Doc, Reichel. I think everybody else you're kind of taking calls on. Hey, yeah. Hagel. I mean, Hagel is one of those names I don't want gone. I, I, it needs to be a trade where I'm looking at it going, you've got to be kidding. Yeah. I Wait, mean, really? Even, even Hagel says he's like, He's like, I don't blame him. They trade me. Like, Wait, I'm, I'm a six rounder. Yeah, I see the I see the rumors floating around. It's like, oh yeah, I take that. Angle <laughs> to you guys is like a Tatar night goes to us, a fan favorite player that the fans really love, and he might he might have to go, and it's gonna hurt, but you're gonna get good stuff. You're gonna get like, great returns. Oh yeah, like, like Tatar yeah. gave us a first, second, and third, didn't he? Yeah, he gave us a first in one draft, a second in the draft after that, and then a third the draft after that one. I think he then, could. I think he Mar- could. Oh, sorry, David. Go ahead. Rosick gave us. He gave a us a third, and I think a fourth from Carolina. Two thirds. Yeah. Two thirds. Was it two thirds? Okay. Yeah. And I forget what Nyquist gave us, but it was in his highest entire. His no, highest one. If it's in the best interest, I mean, I'd rather the first round pick be next year. I think I don't. I don't like this draft at all. I I think uh, next year is probably the deeper. It's definitely the deeper draft, and this year is kind of like top five loaded and then it's just like yeah. right, falls off the cliff yeah i mean if, if the trade is worth it you're getting a trade a if you can't, you can't if it's an offer you can't refuse you take it yeah you mm-hmm. have to and that's so like, essentially like to wrap up this davidson is just like i think kane top priority is all right, to talk to kane top priority you have three weeks to assess who could be a part of this future who might not be or maybe who you want to wait and trade in the off season and then yeah and then you got he, I, he already mentioned it earlier like we're gonna this deadline we're gonna try to acquire future pieces like we're gonna try to acquire players for the future for this team so 
it sounds like he's going to be very active. It sounds like they're ready to be active. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if we start seeing the dominoes fall in the next week or so, because three weeks to the trade deadline. Very exciting. One last note I do want to add. I do hope that the Blackhawks do not don't do not do like a full-blown fire sale on their players. We've seen the Edmonton Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres do these sort of like tear it all down, tank for first overall picks, hope the first overall picks get us back to the promised land. That doesn't work. Chicago honestly needs to take a page out of Detroit's book and look at how the Detroit Red Wings have done their rebuild. That is a rebuild that looks like it's going to have long-term success. Just you trade players who it sucks trading now for futures, but you don't ever trade those guys who are going to keep and instill a good culture in your locker room and help you stay somewhat competitive. Yeah. I don't think it's uh it's going to be a full offload. I think it's going to be, no. it's going to be like a dwindling fire at the end of, end of a summer night oh, it's, it's very just, nice very yeah. vivid <laughs> yeah yeah but no i don't i think they're gonna get rid of a couple of pieces now Swoon. uh they're not gonna yeah it's not gonna be a complete fire sale this offseason i think they have some intriguing pieces that they're gonna try to get rid of uh but they're not in a hurry to offload them like they still have murphy on uh, he's ex- he's extended till 2024 i believe uh, Jake McCabe, if there's anybody interested in him, Calvin Dehan, I think he's expiring at the end of this year. Dehan's a perfect trade bait yeah. piece. Him and uh, him and Kubelik are the two biggest ones in my yeah. mind. And Kubelik is value kind of sucks. That's the only thing that sucks right now. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we got I, some interesting pieces. I would say the team that we don't seem to talk about that also a couple years back dropped the rebuild word in front of all their fans. The New York Rangers also entered a rebuild and they went out and their rebuild was like, get rid of a couple pieces and then sign Panarin, uh, hit on a couple of draft picks. But even those draft, like Cap, uh, Capo and Lafreniere aren't driving their scoring by any means, but you're getting a new level out of Christ. Like some of the veterans have kicked it up a notch. Some of their young guys they had in the pipeline came in. They had some good off-season signings and some phenomenal uh, goaltending signings. And yeah. so there are ways to make a not full-scale rebuild work. And I think the Rangers right now are that picture. Well, unless you fire the GM that basically did it all. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the best decision. No, you're right. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I mean, And also – the worst want to sell tickets. So you're not going to see like all the big names. It's going to be interesting to see, like it's going to be interesting to see like the random veterans that come into the Blackhawks. It's like, I mean, they, they don't ever have to meet the cap floor because we have quite a few high contracts for that. Here comes mm-hmm. Bobby Ryan. Yeah. But you're going to see some interesting. Joe names. Thornton. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Marley might strap him back up. Um, yeah. So interesting. We're going to have a, maybe a few jerseys you might want to buy. Cause it's like such a rare commodity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we just got to sign Sam Gagne so he can't score on us anymore. Yeah, you put up eight points in that at the UC. <laughs> um, we're talking about the Hawks rebuild. Um, One player that I kind of want to talk about, and this is kind of minor news, but he's a player who I think the Hawks are going to be looking at to be a player for them after this rebuild's all said and done. Kevin Lankinen right now comes off the uh, injury reserve list. You mentioned earlier he had the win versus the New Jersey Devils. Like, what do you guys think this means for the Hawks? Not even just like in the short term, but like 
the long term for them? Like, do you think that the Hawks are going to potentially trade Flurry if if he wants to be traded, and just sort of let Lincoln and ride out the rest of the year as a starter? I it, it all it all hinges on Flurry, right? Uh, I don't see at this point it doesn't sound like he wants to be traded. Uh, it sounds like he's leaning towards staying in Chicago, but like getting Lankinen back definitely helps. Uh, I see realistically the rest of this year, Flurry being the starter, Lankinen being the uh, backup. I see them splitting much more uh, just with the fact that Flurry went like 14 games in a row in the past like month or two. Uh, I see this back half them splitting a little more evenly. Uh, and letting Soderblom end up being the AHL starter, giving him time to actually develop on North American ice and get his game a little more tight, uh, tightened up. Uh, I love it. I mean, I love Lincoln. I, I think that he has the chops. I don't think he's an all-star, but he, he's not a Shesterkin who comes in and starts to take over and dominate the league. But I, I think he's a realistic starter in this league i think he would be a low 1a and i mean there from once you're there i mean anybody can be anything if he's got the skills and he keeps being dedicated to it like flurry's learned a couple of things from lincoln and that he's talked about uh i think he's got the stuff and so now it's just a matter of seeing a full season with him where we don't run him into the ground fair enough Um, I feel like those are kind of the big talking points for the Hawks this week. I mean, I don't really think of anything else that was big on your guys' news schedule for this week. I mean, those T- were the T- big T- ones. Taze is off of IR. Oh, yeah, he is off IR as well. Taze is off of IR. Tyler Johnson is off of IR. Both of them could theoretically play Thursday. That's wild. We're about to have, again, centers we theoretically have a third line center or a, even a second line center. If he needs to be in Tyler Johnson, uh, keeping Taze healthy and getting Tyler Johnson back all of a sudden drastically shifts this lineup. Uh, and shoot, if Jujar Kyra is ever able to come off injured reserve, the whole roster changes in a night uh, with that sort of stuff. So I'm very excited to see who plays on Sunday or on Thursday. Uh Isaac Phillips played another game or two with the Hawks this past week. Uh, We just sent him back down to Rockford, but it was good to see him come up for another cup of coffee. Uh, I mean, I think rest of the year, we're going to see that with rotating young guys just to see who we've got. Uh, Yeah. That that, it's really just roster and and injury updates at this point. I think Riley Stillman's off of injured reserve now, which is very exciting. I like Stillman's game a lot. So We'll see what happens Thursday when the Hawks play the Oilers. Say fun fact. That'll be uh, Duncan Keith's first time back at the United Center playing oh, against the Blackhawks. And uh, it's also Jalmerson's <sighs> legacy night. So they'll both be in the building. That's going to be a, oh my God, that's going to be electrifying. That, that'll be a fun game to be at if, if you're a fan of the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, we can move on to the Red Wings side of the podcast. The Wings yeah. don't really have anything huge of note to talk about. Um, just a couple pieces. Uh, first, William Wallander wins the CHS championship with uh, Rogla BK. Uh, like I said, fun fact, the first time they've ever won a major championship like this. This is kind of a cool deal to see a Wings prospect be part of this. 
it is like good for him. Really excited to see uh, what more he can do in the future. I mean, it's crazy to me though. Like Rogla hasn't won a championship yet. Cause like there are a lot of NHL caliber players who have came through their team. Like who is it? Timothy and Lilligren played for them. Cider played for them. Um, the Blackhawks had a guy who played for them. I think it was two seasons ago. I'm, I'm blanking right now. I don't know. I'm blanking, but like they've had a lot of good players who played for Rogla BK. Like it's crazy that they've never won the CHL championship before. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That is an interesting fun fact. Um, Arguably the biggest piece of wings news that we have this week. Um, Elmer Soderblom. He looks like he's going to potentially be a diamond in the rough for Detroit. A guy who went in the sixth round, if you can believe it or not. He's putting up, I think it's like 15 minutes a night right now, playing over in Sweden. Fantastic goal and assist numbers. A guy who looks like he could be like a true NHL medal six player if he pans out. Maybe a bottom six guy if he doesn't hit full potential. But this is awesome to have the Wings see a sixth round draft pick. Looking like they're going to be a piece for the future. Every once in a while, those sixth or seventh round draft picks that you trade, they become something. I thought that was your like <laughs> sixth round gem alert. Da, 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 da. The timing on that was perfect. That was phenomenal. But no, realistically, like that's what you dream about when you get like that throw in sixth round pick, right? You're hoping that it becomes him. Mm-hmm. You're hoping it becomes Hegel or a, uh, a Zetterberg or a Dots, you know, like you know it's a million to one odds, but that's why it's worth getting that extra pick because it mm. could be something. Could be something. Um, like I said, I don't really think he's ever going to be like, I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar at the NHL level. I project like realistically, I think he's going to end up being a guy who plays bottom six in the NHL. Is that the worst thing though for a sixth round draft pick? Phenomenal. Absolutely not. <laughs> You're making ecstatic, a million a year. I'm ecstatic that Philip Kurashev, who was a fourth round pick, like looks like he's hopefully going to be a top nine, like would be a cool middle six guy for us. Anything less than a first round pick realistically mm-hmm. is gravy if they make it to the NHL, let alone be a contributing factor. The other thing is like center, but I, if I remember right, he plays center. So like you have another depth center in your pipeline. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. Like the wings still don't, I think have the other centermen to go with Dylan Larkin, unfortunately, but it's never a bad thing to have pieces in your pipeline that are going to be contributors in two or three years. hundred percent. Sure. It's a good problem to have when you've got too many pieces. <laughs> Um, and then the last piece of wings news that I really want to talk about, um, Lucas Raymond, he got interviewed this week about the possibility of going to play for the world junior championship. He said he wants to go. I would never want to deny him the chance to play at the world juniors, but man, does he even really need to play? Everyone knows he's an, like, he's a superstar. I, I think it boils down to representing your country. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many NHL players, were begging. I mean, obviously there were things that led to them being like, yeah, now nah, we're going to pass on this one. But like you to play for your country and to represent your country, it's the greatest honor a lot of these kids are ever going to have. And so world, I get it. Unless you're pushing for a playoff spot. I guess that's my question. If Raymond is your difference maker, if you're on the bubble 
And it's like, hey, if we loan this loan you out to World Juniors, that decreases our odds. That's when I would say no. But if you're not gonna, if you're statistically not gonna make the playoffs, there's no reason not to let the kid go. Mm-hmm. I mean, David, what's your opinion on him going to play? <sighs> it's tough. Like, if we're not making the playoffs, I'm fine with him going and playing for his country. But if, like Tim said, we're on that verge, we're on that cusp, we need him. Yeah. And we seem to be closer and closer to making it to that spot. So, I, I mean, this, this kind of ties into that like discussion about Raymond going to World Juniors. But I think this is kind of one that the Wings fan base kind of has to have right now because the trade deadline's coming up. Mm-hmm. Do the Wings want to make the playoffs this year? Like, I, I don't see us going deep if we make it. And if we don't, or if we do make it, we're basically saying we're going to take a pass on all the guys at the top end of this draft. And I don't think the wings are in a position to put themselves out of reach of those guys because I think they're closer than a lot of teams and people are giving them credit for, but I still do think that they're like one or two difference makers away. Yeah. I mean, that's been my question for sure. I mean, I I personally don't want to see them make it. And it's not because I'm rooting against the wings, but if I'm looking long-term picture at what the wings are doing, them making the playoffs this year is not worth a first round exit and then missing on the top end of this draft or even a chance at the top end of this draft. It's just not worth it. Yeah. I mean, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen, right? Uh, That's the one kicker. Cause I also, I mean, I, was the uh I was the negative person last week saying like hey wait a minute there's still clearly a lot of holes on this wings team let's pump the brakes a little bit uh that said there's the Canadians made it to the finals last year like if you get into the playoffs anything can happen I just think if you're realistically if you're if the playoff window is slim let him go because what he'll gain in that is invaluable versus that he'll gain what he'll gain on Detroit is still, if they're fighting for a playoff spot that makes up in a lot of ways for what he would gain uh, at world juniors. But if you're, if you don't have that, like hunger, that desperation fight world juniors, at least will at least will give him a meaningful tournament to play in. Mm-hmm. And like, like him going to world juniors, if he really is as dominant at world juniors as I think he will be, Oh, it'll be offensive. At that point, I think you really will be able to look at the NHL level and say, yeah, I'm a legit top six player. This isn't just like a fluke thing because I'm playing with a superstar like Dylan Larkin. This is a, I deserve to be here thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, David, do you want to see them make the playoffs or no? I mean, this is the problem. At the preseason, we said we were still rebuilding. We're not going to do as great. But we're pulling the Blackhawks a little bit right now where they're looking real good, especially our young guys. Like right now, we're tied 1-1 with uh, Carolina. Um, But I think playoffs, 
would hurt more than help the rebuild. And like this, I think the gold question, like, is what the Wings are going to gain in the playoffs this season if they make the playoffs? Is that worth missing on those guys at the top of the draft? And now, granted, yes, we don't know for sure if the Wings are going to get, you know, one of those guys at the top of the draft. But you're still, when you make the playoffs, you are locking in. I don't need access to those guys. Yeah. The other thing is, who's going to be free agents this year? Because maybe teams will see, oh, the Wings have you. They're just missing a couple of pieces. Why can't I be that piece? It's a trade-off. It, yeah, and we have the money. We do have the money. That's the thing. We've that got could like, be where you sign your second-line center. Yeah, I think we're going to be getting our second-line center, not from the draft. It's coming from a already established player. Probably not a veteran, but someone that's about to hit their prime. I kind of talked about it on uh, the LA Kings Reddit, weirdly enough, after an episode that we have. I mean, we can kind of talk about it a little bit before we move on, but Gabe Velarde was a name that was mentioned over on Kings Reddit for the Wings to pick up. He's a guy who's been having a really decent season in the AHL, but he's not at the NHL yet. Could you see us grabbing someone like that, a guy who's putting up, you know, like a 20-ish goal season in the AHL, a guy who's about to make the NHL and see if we can have a guy like that be the second line center. I don't know. Cause he's doing AHL play. Like, yes, he's doing well in the AHL, but that can, that can no, it goes back to <laughs> me. Do you end up trading Valeno? I, I, just I don't, don't see, see where it. this, I don't see where this roster has room for him, especially if you're trying to bring in, an AHL guy that's projected to be top six. I don't know where Valeno fits on your team when everyone's healthy. <laughs> and like, that's the thing. Like, do they play him as a bottom, like a fourth or, line center? Or can Joe Valeno be that second line center. Cause realistically, that's the role you need him to be to fit on this team. Yeah. Like in and two I, years, I, I feel so bad because like I'm rooting for Valeno too, but that's what it keeps coming back to. That's such a hard question because the wings want him to be that center, obviously, but he's got to be better than Pia Suter to get that. And I don't know if he ever pans out as better than Pia Suter. And it's hard because Pia Suter is actually, I think, a really good middle six centerman. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like he hasn't been flashy on the scoreboard, but like his overall play has been very consistent, very good. He He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Yep. And it's hard because like you look at Joe Valeno and you're like, this kid has potential. He usually has like a year of transition and then he dominates the league. So you're waiting to see like, when's he going to dominate the NHL? I, I guess mm-hmm. that's, I guess that's my thing. Like you're looking at this guy in the Kings, you know, AHL team. And it's like, well, let's take a shot on him. Like, does that mean that the shot is passed on? Valet? Like, I don't know. You, you see where I'm at with that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. It's which one do you think has more value long-term? And it's hard because like Joe Valeno like proved it last week that he can hang in like the NA or the AHL and be a great player. So do we already have somebody of like a Gabriel Velarde's caliber in our system already? That that's my thing. I mean, I almost wonder if the season you do start to dwindle and lower the, you know, bring him up. 
give him top six minutes, make him your second line center or like, Oh shoot. Alex Turcotte's there. Yeah. Turcotte's there too. So they've got mm-hmm. Byfield, they've got Turcotte, like they've got a wild combination of centers. Like, and they still have Kopitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Kopitar is realistically, God, we went through an era Bergeron Kopitar Taze of just Zetterberg of just like absolute legend centers for a period of time. Uh, but no, like I almost feel like give, give Valeno a shot to see if he can be that because I just, otherwise I think he could be a realistic trade piece to help get that center. I don't know. I just I thought it was really interesting, something to think about because for sure the wings are in a really hard spot right now. But I feel like they are kind of just two pieces away from being a real playoff team. What's this? What's stopping us from spending a little money in the offseason? That's that's valid. <laughs> Who are some upcoming free agents? Is the other question. That's an even bigger question of because you don't want to go out and just sign a big you know free agent. Because they're the one available. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, bring Gino over. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, he's going to hang out in Detroit for a bit. Uh, <laughs> no, I. It's tough because you've got realistically next year, you'll have Edvidson over here. So Mort Sider will have a year under his belt for the league. You'll still have Nick Letty. Uh, Philip Ronick will have another year of just development on the defensive side. Realistically, mm-hmm. I think with Edvinson and uh, what's the other is Soderblom. Wait, which are you about? Not Lindstrom. Who's the other defensive prospect that's tearing it up right now? Yeah. Gustav Lindstrom. Yeah. That's the one. Lindstrom's uh, not tearing it up. Is he? But he's playing like a very good like bottom but, four. But he's, yeah. not, he's not a prospect though. Not at this point, but I mean, like he's still like he's still got time to grow because he's only had I think what one full season over here. Yeah, and like Danny DeKaiser comes off the books. That's five million dollars to go spend yeah. somewhere. I, I you can get a very gets... good defenseman or centerman for five million dollars. Oh, I think your defense potentially gets shored up uh, with Edvinson. And then if you're able to put that free agent money towards a stable, actual second line center, fantastic. Ooh, Thomas Hurdle's going to be a free agent. Ooh, that'd be tempting. I can't even lie. Hurdle would be injured. But I wonder if he would want to leapfrog Larkin. Lots of old dudes. Ryan Strom. Hurdle would be an interesting one. Hurdle would be a really interesting one. Right now, it sounds like you're the the, the most interesting. Uh, Max Domi. I don't know. I think I'd rather take Hurdle at that point, though. I'd yeah. rather have Valeno or anybody. I'm not a big Max Domi fan. But, but I don't know. It's an interesting conversation like to think about. You know, the fact that the Wings... In two or three years, might really be trying to compete again, and they're waiting to see, like, can Valeno take over as that second-line center? Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, they've got the money to go buy one. Yes, we do. Um, 
we can move on though to the flashback and the flash forward yeah, segment. Um, we already, yeah, we already did the flashback oh, at the start of this uh, th- episode. We're ahead. <laughs> uh, we can do the flash forward now at this point. Um, so the Hawks have what is it? Three games coming up this week. They have uh, the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday. They have the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday, and then they have the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday. That's not great. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. The Edmonton Oilers have been such a weird team this season. We've shut down the Oilers on many of the occasions that we've faced them. Realistically, uh, eh, we lost to them back in November, but we did win our last game against them. Uh, I, I mean, I think realistically we can win. I'm having a weird optimistic week. I think we beat the Oilers. I think we beat the Flyers, and I think we lose to Tampa. Okay. Uh, the Flyers just aren't – I don't know. I feel like we solved the uh, Carter Hart problem. Not we, but, like, the league figured out Carter Hart. Uh, and I just don't think that they – right now, I don't think they're healthy and gelling. Uh, the Lightning, of course, is – I don't we're, – we're not going to beat the Lightning. There's, they are the infinitely better team, and I hate it, uh, but we're not going to beat them. But, yeah, I see no reason why we don't beat the Oilers. We've been able to shut down McDavid. Uh, yeah, take two, lose one. Shane Gossespierre's been having kind of a really good bounce-back season for the Flyers. That... Wait a minute. Is Gossespierre on the Flyers Yeah, still? Yeah, he's still with the Flyers. And, like, it's crazy because I remember saying during the offseason last year, I wanted the he's wings the, to pick. He's with sure? the Arizona Coyotes. Are you sure? I'm positive. Coyotes. I gotta look this up now. I'm, I could have sworn he was still telling the your brother. He uh, won't even have a stadium to play in next year. Jesus. They've got a college stadium. What is it like? Five thousand people or whatever it is. Yeah, the the Coyotes are playing at University of Phoenix online. <laughs> <laughs> They're an esports team now. Did you, who who what team was it? I think it was one of the AHL teams threw some shade their way when they made that announcement. They're like, yeah. "Congratulations, our arena holds 8,000." I'd rather play in Rockford with the Ice Hogs. They've got a killer arena compared oh, to God. But rather, yeah, the Griffins have dollar dollar beer, dollar hot dog nights. Come on. Man, there's nothing better than an AHL hockey game. I'll tell you that right <laughs> oh now. God, so much fun. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Gaza Spears with the Coyotes, so he could be having a great season, but nobody would know. Uh, <laughs> they don't have cameras in the arena. <laughs> Rasmus Ristolainen is in uh, uh, on the Flyers now, right? Yeah. yeah. They've got, a, I feel like a lot of moving parts happened with Philadelphia, uh, but they've got a lot of people injured. I think Kevin Hayes is still injured. I, I don't know. I, I think I that teach a, I teach a kid who's a Flyers fan. Well, they have Claude Giroux that. still, right? Yeah, yeah. they've still got Giroux's been phenomenal. There's uh, rumors that they might try to move him, though. And it makes sense. Uh, yeah, Giroux's been phenomenal. Uh, Couturier has been hurt a lot of this year. That's also hurt them a lot. Uh, so, yeah, being without Hayes, being with ristolainen has been hurt for a bit. I, they just haven't been able to gel. I don't know. We can beat them. I wouldn't put it past the Hawks to beat the Flyers, to be honest. And like I said, if you can shut down Edmonton's McDavid and Drysaddle, the team doesn't really have much else going for it. 
it's a shame because I really like Kyler Yamamoto. Like he's got a really cool game. That's a guy that like I've eyed in the past of like, what if we picked up Yamamoto? Uh, Cause I think he can play. He started as a center, uh, but again, it's Edmonton. So he's not fulfilling his potential. Uh, oh. It's a weird, weird team. But like, I think that's a very decent week for the Hawks coming up. Like, like you said, Tim, like, I think Edmonton's very winnable. I think Philadelphia's the Philadelphia game is very winnable. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay for however many years we have left. Yeah. However long we have to put up with that until the wheels fall off. Which they'll probably find some stud to replace Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. Just be competitive forever. Yeah. Um, Detroit has, I think it's three games. Well, no, two games coming up this week. If you don't count the game going on tonight versus Carolina, so the game speaking tonight which, is one one going into the third. Okay, okay. Um, they speaking of Tampa, they play Tampa on Friday, and then they play uh, play the Florida Panthers on Saturday. So they're going to Florida for two games. This is double L's, boys. I just I got no confidence. Florida Panther, yeah. There's something on the one. water in Florida with the Florida teams just doing real good. I want to root for Detroit, but I got to be honest. I'm expecting back-to-back L's. If you, ex- what was the line in the new Spider-Man movie? If you expect the worst. I can't remember. Oh, God. But yeah, if you basically, expect the worst, you won't be disappointed. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's what it is. Thank you, Zendaya. Yeah, this is. I think this is going to be a really rough week for the Wings. I don't see any sort of win, and I'm honestly surprised that they're one-one with the Carolina Hurricanes right we're now. Shooting them too. That's even crazier. Yeah, like they're up here, twenty to sixteen in shots. We've had five odd man rushes. I mean, Bertuzzi and Zadina both had a breakaways that they just missed. I've got Cider and Raymond in tonight on my fantasy team. Let's go, boys. <laughs> Well, Cam Ra- Carter Rowney scored our goal. He's on well, he's, three yeah, points he's in his last four games. Due for one? <laughs> three points in his last four games. Good for you, Carter Rowney. But yeah, that's the Wings schedule for this upcoming week. Um, I don't have anything on the league front to talk about yet, but we will have stuff as soon as this trade deadline is over. There's going to be a ton to talk about. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited about that. Um. But yeah, that's going to be it for our show tonight. Unless anybody else has anything else to add. I don't know. Uh, if you're interested in contract negotiations and keeping an eye on how uh, behind the scenes sports works, follow the MLB lockout. This is fascinating because unlike an NHL lockout where I'm just sad all the time, I, I like baseball, but it's not going to kill me to wait a bit. So I just get to go and do a deep dive into the CBA and what the two bargaining sides are looking for. I don't know. It's fun. If you want to look at sports as contracts, like I, I kind of do. <laughs> I, have, I have a good friend who's a huge baseball fan. So he's dying right now. Oh yeah. A lot of people are in hell. <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah, that's going to be our show for tonight. Um, as always, we want to thank you guys for tuning in and watching and listening to the show. At the end of the day, this show is for you guys. It's a fan cast. It's by fans for fans. Everybody gets to just say what they want and have like their honest takes. There's no corporate sponsorship or anything like that. So you get like real opinions from fans. And 
kind of well-informed fans who actually have the ability to look at the games and like the teams partially, which is awesome. That's kind of what we're aiming for on this show. You have people from outside of both organizations who can kind of bring you back down a little bit when you start getting too high. That said, Pequods, if you want to sponsor us, I'll say whatever you want. <laughs> I'll do it. Um, we did crap on the Arizona Coyotes tonight, but we forgot to do our weekly Buffalo crap on. So Buffalo sucks. Thank God. Yeah. Thank you for picking that up. <laughs> Uh, but again we do appreciate everybody who tunes in and watches the show or listens to the show we really appreciate it um if you liked what you saw or watched or heard feel free to give us a like follow share retweet whatever the social media currency is of choice on the platform that you find us on we really appreciate it it helps us grow helps us spread you can find us on twitter at stickblade pod we're on facebook we're on youtube i mean we're on apple Podcasts. so whatever your podcast platform is of choice Feel free to go to like, follow, share, whatever the social media currency is of choice on that platform. We really appreciate it. But that's going to be our show for tonight. As always, you guys take care, stay safe, take care of each other, and we will catch you guys all back here next week on another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. Catch you guys later.